you know, if you've got kids, you've probably seen this in terms of it's hitting you in the face right now with trying to find children's Advil or children's Tylenol. Massive shortages of that. And I mean, once it gets to that level, it's a really big concern. But shortages in medication is something that come and go in our country and affect different kinds of medications over uh, different periods of time. And uh, there's a the Canadian Medical Association Journal coming out with a report this week saying, you know, we need a strategy. We've got to come up with some sort of a national program to deal with these drug shortages in our country. Uh, we're far too reliant on imports from other countries for our medication. We don't do anything domestically or very little, I should say. Um, and these shortages happen and they're going to continue to happen. And we need we really don't have a plan. So let's let's develop one. Tell us about the report. We have Dr. Shu Lee joining us. He's one of the article's co-authors, Professor Emeritus at the University of Toronto and an honorary staff physician at Mount Sinai Hospital. Dr. Lee, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Shay. So when we take a look at this, I mean, let's just start right there. We, um, we, we, we This problem, like I said, we're t- we hear about the Advil and the Tylenol and that sort of, oh my goodness, but these drug shortages, this is nothing new. This is something we face in this country quite regularly, right? Yes, in fact, this is a problem that goes back, you know, at least a decade, and if not more, and it has been gradually worsening over time. And now in the public, um, people get exposed to it when there's shortage of children's Tylenol, or unless you're buying a particular drug and you happen to be looking for it and it's not there. But in fact, in the healthcare system, doctors, nurses, and pharmacists have all been witnessing this for quite some time. And uh, they've had trouble trying to find drugs. Uh, so they sometimes would prescribe a drug and find it not available, and then they would have to resort to a second-line drug. Procedures have, would have to be postponed because the drug is not available uh, for that particular procedure, and so on. So, And then pharmacists have to go around trying to source for drugs when they are short of it uh, and spend a lot of time trying to find the drugs as opposed to dispensing the drugs. So it has been a problem for some time. And, you know, like you say, when it gets to the level of children's Advil or children's Tylenol, a lot of people sit up and notice. Um, but how widespread has it been before? Is it sort of one drug here or there, or is it a large number of drugs at any time that are in short supply? In fact, it is quite a large number. So even before COVID, so COVID is an unusual time because of the circumstances. Sure. But even before COVID, in 2017 and 2018, one quarter of all the pharmaceuticals used in Canada experienced shortages. One quarter. One quarter. Okay, let's see if we can identify some of the reasons. First of all, we don't produce, we're we're almost entirely reliant on imports for medication, correct? That's correct. 93% of all the drugs used in Canada are imported, and that's the big problem. And we know what happens with supply chains and with shipping and with all the rest of these sorts of things. The fact when you're reliant on importation like that, it can go south in a hurry. Exactly. So under the best of circumstances, even before COVID, we were experiencing a lot of shortages. And when COVID struck, of course, it just brought everything to a head because, you know, first of all, supply chain started running into problems. Suppliers were not manufacturing. Factories were closed. People were not working. You know, transportation was stalled, etc. And then on top of that, you've got countries prioritizing their own needs for themselves. So when countries prioritize their own needs for themselves, well, their manufacturers cannot export to us. So that even made the, the problem even worse. So, you know, uh, we felt that this was uh, a wake-up call, that, you know, we really need to do something about this because even without a crisis, we are already in, uh, having problems. And then when a crisis happens, it is really bad. 
Yeah, exactly. We just don't have any margin there. Now, in the article, in the report that you put together, you come up with a list of things we need to do to try and make sure that we're in a better position to handle these kinds of situations. And it all starts with a list, right? We need to identify which drugs uh, we need to focus on. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's not that difficult to come up with a list. All you have to do is figure out which are the things that people really need and that if we do not have, a lot of people are going to suffer. For example, insulin. If you suddenly run short of insulin, there are thousands of diabetics who are going to die right away. You know, it's not something that you can say, oh, well, let's wait next month to, to get the supply. It doesn't happen that way. So we can come up with a list you know, of, of things that we need uh, that are urgent and that are important and that we need to have all the time. So the United States, when COVID struck, the FDA immediately did that. And they came up with a list of 227 items that the United States must have. And then they put into place a series of steps to try and address that, so to ensure a secure drug supply. And we haven't done that. So that's the first thing that we need to do. Mm-hmm. And but, would that ahead. list break down in terms of, okay, these are the drugs that we need to have, but these ones we really need to be focused on because uh, supply is pretty short at the best of times? Exactly. So we need to have, what are the essential medications that we must have in this country? The second thing is, which are the ones that are potentially most vulnerable? And so we need to have that list too. So for example, if a drug is manufactured by only one manufacturer or two manufacturers in the world, well, that's a very vulnerable supply. Because if that one manufacturer, for whatever reason, is unable to ship to us, then we are in deep trouble. So we have to make sure that we have secure supplies of these drugs. And we need to identify which are these drugs um, that have got only one or two manufacturers and therefore ensure that the supply chain there is strong. Yeah, and and have a backup plan if something goes wrong. Exactly. So when it comes to the backup plan, there are short and long-term things that we can do. In the short term, 93% of all our drugs are imported. Our our pharmaceuticals are imported. So we must have a plan to stockpile them because it's not realistic to say, okay, tomorrow we're going to manufacture all of them. Well, that isn't going to happen. So we need to be able to stockpile them. So we have something called the NESS, uh, National Emergency Strategic uh, Stockpile, uh, where the government uh, stockpiles things that are considered emergency items uh, for disasters, whatever. But the trouble was when COVID came, we realized that in fact that stockpile did not contain many of the things that are in fact fact, uh, essential medications or supplies in this country, and that if they were there, uh, they were in very short supply. We didn't even have a proper inventory list. So, you know, we need to know, first of all, what do we have? Where do we have them? Are they updated? What is the expiry date? Who is holding those supplies? How do we get them? And so on. So that we know uh, when we need them, where to find them. And also keep it updated so that we know when we need to resupply or restock, etc. So we need to make sure that we have, first, a list. Secondly, we need an inventory list of what we have. And then the third thing is that we need to make sure that we have it in the stockpile. So we need to have a plan for what we're going to stockpile and where it's going to be stockpiled. And there are different ways of doing that. One way is the NESS, to make sure that all these items are in the NESS. But there are also other options. For example, Australia requires that all their suppliers stockpile six six months' worth of medications so that they never run out of any medications. All suppliers must have six months' worth of medications in their stockpile. So that way, they pass on the stockpiling to the suppliers so that it is not done by the government, but by the industry. And that's another way of doing it. But whichever option we choose, 
uh, we must have a way of stockpiling these items so that they are there when we need them. Yeah, and there's a bit of a cushion built into the system. That makes great sense. What about producing it here? Is there a way that we can we can ramp up that production that your report touches on? I think in the long term, that is the way that we have to go. Because it's one thing to stockpile, but if a crisis lasts more than six months, then what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so on, you know. So there are many reasons why we need to do that. And also for our own pharmaceutical industry, why aren't we producing? I think we need to, to take a look at that. So the fact that 93% of our pharmaceuticals are imported is a problem. Um, so the government can do many steps to ensure that our pharmaceutical sector is in fact strong and viable and you know commercially productive and can compete on, on the world stage. Um, so there are a number of ways of doing that. One is the creation of a crown corporation, and we've done that in the past. You know, even Air Canada was once upon a time a crown corporation before it came privatized. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It can be done. So we could create a crown corporation to manufacture essential drugs, so that uh, uh, we have a, a, a stable supply of them, and we could also ensure um, that they can be scaled up in times of need. So that's one way to go. Another way is to subsidize our uh, manufacturers. For example, we do have some manufacturers, and we will tell them, okay. We want you to manufacture these particular items because these are essential drugs. And uh, because the volumes may not be sufficient that you can compete on the world stage, we're going to subsidize a certain amount. So instead of spending the money on the stockpile, you spend the money on the subsidy to ensure that these supplies are there. So that's another way. Um, another way is to follow the example that the United States did with Civica. And what that is, is that it's a non-profit consortium uh, that then goes out and subcontracts uh, with manufacturers to produce them or they manufacture it themselves. But either way, we have to have a way of manufacturing so that essential item supplies uh, are stable and safe in this country. Yeah, and the key you know, word there is essential, doctor. I mean, that, that that's the thing, right? It's not like it's... People will say, we'll leave it to the free market. Okay, but the, these are things that can be life and death. Exactly. So leave it to the free market, yes, that's fine. But if you don't have insulin tomorrow and you're a diabetic, well, that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, um, just before I let you go, what about pharmacists? I mean, I, I know we have pharmacists that, that can probably step in. Like, I, we, we were doing some stories locally on the um, children's Tylenol shortage situation, and, and the pharmacist was saying, well, you know what? We're a com- compounding pharmacy. We can make it for you, but you're going to have to go to your doctor first and get a prescription, and then we'll be able to help you out. I mean, is there a way to make it easier for pharmacists who have the education and training to step in and, you know, find the replacement that they know is there, but they can't give you unless you get a prescription for it? Yes. So there's two, two parts to that. One is, um, can the pharmacist help with compounding the materials? Absolutely. I think that uh, when a certain drug is in short supply, the pharmacist can actually help to compound some of these medications. Not all, some of the medications. Mm-hmm. But there's another problem, which is that first they must have the ingredients to compound it with. Sure, yeah. So those ingredients are what we call active pharmaceutical ingredients, so APIs. In other words, without those ingredients, you can't compound anything. You need the ingredients. Unfortunately, most of these ingredients are now been sh- the, the manufacturer used to be in Canada, United States, etc. But they've been shifted to low-cost countries like China and India. So most of these APIs are now produced in those countries. So even if you had people who can compound them, but you don't have the ingredients, you can make it, right? Yeah. So we have a way of either stockpiling these active ingredients or making them ourselves. And the reason they have gone to the low-cost countries is, of course, they can make it in bulk and cheaper. But there are new technologies coming. 
uh, for example, at the University of Montreal, there are uh, uh, researchers researching flow technology that can now actually make these ingredients cheaper than the low-cost countries can make and at higher quality and less uh, environmental pollution and all that, you know. So okay. these are the kinds of technologies that we need to be investing in. In other words, the government needs to be investing in these technologies and ensuring that they be become uh, used uh, to produce these uh, uh, ingredients. So that's the way that we can use innovation to try and improve the things that we have problems with. And it solves not only the problem of production and supplies, but it also can create a vital industry for this country that is uh, employs people, yeah. that creates money, and so on. And so provides an essential product. Absolutely. Dr. Lee, uh, I appreciate not only uh, illustrating the problem, but coming forward with uh, a long list of ways to address it. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Uh, Shu Lee, who is uh, one of the authors of this report that uh, was in the Canadian Medi Medical Association Journal talking about, you know what, we got to have a strategy. I mean, he laid it out pretty clearly for us, didn't he? 